Welcome to Friends Church. Um, I had a really funny experience a couple weeks ago. I was running with my running partner. We've been running together for years. And of course, because I'm a pastor, everyone assumes I know every part of the Bible on the, off the top of my head, right? Yell out a verse, I'll tell you what it says. Someone yell out a verse. Samson 1-1. Samson 1-1. It's not actually a book in the Bible, but it says... <laughs> I like to quote Vince 1-1 whenever somebody, uh, the Bible says in Vince chapter 1 verse 1, there's no such thing, but it's the Bible of Vince where you're supposed to do what I tell you to do. So my, my running partner says to me, he says, what's up with Samson? Which is actually in Judges, but that's okay, Bryce, we'll get you next time. The reason he asks this is because the story of Samson is a story about the biblical Hercules. Like he's just like ripped. But he's a complete a-hole. Pardon my French, but like, he is a complete and utter jerk. At one point, um, I'm just going to change the message a little bit. At one point, he says something interesting. He, uh, somebody, he's, he's got this, this whole thing. He gets married. Then he leaves his wife. His, her mother, or sorry, her father gives her to somebody else. He finds out about it. So it's kind of like he's divorced her, and then she remarries, but now he's mad. And what does he do to like overcome his rage? He goes and kills a thousand people in her village. Not a nice guy. At one point, he, gets, he, he, he has a bet with people. He says, I bet you 30 outfits of clothing that you can't get my riddle. They figure out his riddle. And so instead of buying the clothes like a normal human being does, he goes and kills 30 strangers, takes their clothes, and gives it to people. This is the person who's supposed to be the divine agent in the world. This is the person you don't want to know. If you're ever on the wrong side of him, life is horrible. He's strong and he abuses it. He's vengeful. He doesn't seem to care about anybody. At one point, he... (laughs) He doesn't even like animals. He takes foxes, he catches 300 foxes, ties two tails together, ties a lit torch to their tail, lights the torch on fire, and then lets them run around through someone's field, lighting an entire village on fire. Why? Because he's bored. Because he's annoyed about something. And this person is the agent of the divine in the Bible. And so when my running partner says to me, why in the world is it in there? It's a good question, isn't it? When you think about the agent of the divine, you think of someone like Jesus, you know? The Jesus we have, we call him the Swedish Jesus, which means he doesn't have dark hair, he has blonde hair. He has this like white robe with a sash and he floats through the world without getting his feet dirty. Never does anything wrong. Perfect. That's what we think about. And yet the story of Samson is a completely different story. So why is it in there? Now, of course, he thought I would know the answer off the top of my head, right? Because I've memorized the entire Bible. That's a joke, by the way. So I went and started looking at the Bible because I thought, well, that's a good question. And what I realized is the story of Samson, it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. But there's so much of us in that story. As I look through my life the last little while, one of the questions I've been asking, actually Jeff started it, um, I'm going to say the other day, but a couple of years ago, he read this book called How to Do the Work. 
Really good book, really interesting. My wife read it, a bunch of my friends read it, and they're like, oh, this is so good. But the number one question people ask is, what is my work? Where do I need to work on myself? And where am I doing good? And I think the Samson story answers that question. If we're willing to go into it with an open heart. To do that, I want to tell you the story before Samson. I'll tell you Samson's story next week. The story before Samson is a story that starts like all of our stories with our mothers. You see, Samson's mother, she never is named. It's, she's named the wife of Manoah. She's a middle-aged woman, and she's in the field one day, and someone walks up to her and says, hey, you're going to get pregnant, and your child is going to be a savior. I know we think that word savior is always the Jesus word. No, it's not how the Bible rolls. Your child will be the savior of the nation. Well, that's pretty good. Someone walked up to me in a mall and said, hey, by the way, Vince, you're going to have a child and they're going to be the savior. First, I'm going to say that's not possible. My vasectomy doctor pretty much made that go away. But what would you do with that? Would you say yes? Your first reaction is, well, she's in the Bible, so of course she says yes. That's her job. That's the Bible story. But the reason I want to tell you this story is because her story, I think, is actually our story. Because when she says she's a middle-aged woman, what you don't realize is that means she's barren. In her culture, being a woman means you have children. This is kind of the be-all and end-all of your existence. Now, in our culture, we don't get that. We have reproductive choice. We have birth control. We have all kinds of things. And being a woman doesn't just mean that you're going to have children. But for everybody who doesn't, has never struggled with barrenness, let's put our minds into her story in this way. Imagine for a moment, you decided when you come out of high school that you'd like to start a certain career, whatever career you've always wanted to do. And so you went to school to train for that career. You spent four years dedicated. That's all you did. You went to school and learned and studied and wrote papers and did reports and whatever your schooling was. You spend probably tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars to get this level of education. And you come out of school so stoked to do this career. You can't wait. And you start applying for jobs. First, there's nothing. You get the odd interview, but it's like you don't even get a call back. The first week goes by and you're kind of feeling a little bit bummed out. Like, I have spent all this time and effort. This is what I wanted to do with my life and it's not working out. But, okay, whatever. I just need to keep my nose to the ground. Like, it's just, I got to keep going. Perseverance, grit. One week leads to a month. You've been applying for jobs for a year. Nothing. You can't even get an entry-level position in your field. Nothing. How long would you persevere? Your bank account starts to drop. You get a different job. 
Would you just keep applying for jobs for a year? Two years? When would you start to feel hopeless? I will never get this job. I will never do the thing I so desperately wanted that I've trained for, that I spent all this money to do. It's never going to work. When the Bible says Samson's mother is middle-aged with no children, that's what they're saying. She's hopeless. I can't be a mother. And so when the Samson story starts, she's in the field, someone walks up to her and says, hey, you're gonna have a child. We're thinking, well, of course, that's great, yay. What we don't realize is it's like somebody coming to you after 10 years of a, you wanted a job, you wanted a career, you finally given up. Whatever, it's never gonna happen. And suddenly a, a recruiter comes 10 years later and says, hey, by the way, do you want a shot at this? And you're going, I am going to have to go back to that hopeless place inside of me. I'm gonna to have to open that up again. Put myself out there. Risk being told no again. Feeling that hopelessness again. I had put it in a little ball and stuffed it in the corner of my psyche and tried to never think about it again. And you want me to bring that back out again? Don't put up your hand, but how many of you know that hopeless feeling? You wanted to be something, do something, learn something. And it didn't work. You had to give up on it. And now somebody walks up to you and says, hey, for the sake of other people, I want you to be open to feeling that hurt again. Would you do it? Part of me is like, oh, hell no. I tucked that in a little ball and shoved it in the way for a reason because it hurts to feel that. It hurts to be denied. It hurts to be rejected. It hurts to not have any hope of getting what you want. In the first line of the Samson story, we hear Samson's mother is middle-aged with no children. What we realize is she feels hopeless, just like us. And in order for her to do the thing that he's calling her to do, to birth the Savior, she has to be willing to open herself up to that again. It's all good. Kid problems. If he had a choice, he would be up here with a guitar playing air band right beside me, and he'd be killing it if he could. And so when we hear the story of Samson's mother, what we don't realize is it's a story of somebody who has to overcome hopelessness. Someone says, do you want to have a child? Of course I did. I did 30 years ago. Jerk. Now? And in order for me to birth the Savior, you need me to go and do that again? How about no? That's what I'd be saying. Would you be willing to do it? 
Next line. Samson's mother was a Danite. Again, one little line. What you don't realize is what that means. Okay, I'm going to geek out here for a second. Any Star Trek fans? Anyone who's ever watched Star Trek? Oh, yeah. Come on, Trevor. <laughs> Sorry. That threw me a little bit. <laughs> Love it, though. I was, me and my wife have been watching one of the Star Treks. I'm not sure which one it is. But there's a character in it named La'an, Noonien Singh. Now, I don't really come from the Star Trek universe. I don't know it well. And so when they first said her name, you could tell in the crowd that something wasn't quite right. When she said her full name, everyone kind of reacted funny. Now, for those geeks out there, you know that Noonien Singh is the last name of a character named Khan. Now, to make it make sense to all of us, it would be like this. I'm going to introduce you to a new person in French Church. Her name's Laon Putin. Granddaughter of one Vladimir Putin. War maker. Tyrant. Oligarch. When you say your first name, Laon, oh, everything's fine. Oh, hi, nice to meet you, Laon. As soon as you say your last name, it's like there's a stink enters the room. Noonien Singh, oh. When Samson's mother is said to be Danite, it's like saying her last name's Putin. There's this whole area, nation, Israel, men, women, and children, bad people, Philistines. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Right between them is the tribe of Dan, the Danites. They are the front line that protects all of Israel from their enemies. They keep everybody safe. But you know what they did? They ran. They ran from being in the front line to a place at the very, very back leaving the entire nation of men, women, and children susceptible to invasion by the Philistines. And so when you say, I am a Dan, a Danite, what you're saying is, I am a coward from a family of cowards. There's a stink to you. Everybody knows it. You walk through a room, they're like, oh, the Danites, can't trust them to do anything. Anyone know those feelings? There's a stink to us. You might have had a family like that who's maybe, I had a grandfather who was complete and total ill. I know it sounds harsh for me to say, but like the things he did, the entire town knew it. Every time I said I'm Vince Clausen, they'd be like, that Clausen? Some people, it's not your family. Something you did, bad choice, mistake, didn't live true to who you are. And so there's this feeling of you of like, it's like you walk into a room and you can feel it. I have a friend who's an immigrant. She moved here probably in her 30s. Still has a strong accent. Every time she walks into a room, she's like, it's like the stink of my accent follows me around. I can't even say hello because as soon as I say a word, you know I'm not from Canada. For some people, it's skin color. 
gender. Whatever it is, it's the thing that follows you around that says, you can't do this. You failed. You're from those people. When Samson's mom is said to be a Danite, what, she, what they're saying is, you're a coward from a family of cowards. You can't do this. And so the story of Samson starts with a story of his mother who has every excuse to say no. We'd like you to get pregnant and birth the Savior. I'm hopeless and I'm a coward. How many of us wonder where our work is? Could it be the story of Samson's mother is a story that tells us that when we have excuses that allow us to say no, that's where our work is. Someone says, hey, can you help me out? Oh no, sorry, I can't. Would you step up over here? Oh yeah, but (laughs) I can't do stuff like that. I'm not that person. But she says yes. She says yes. When we look at her story, especially through our story, we realize she had to overcome tremendous amounts to be able to say yes. It's not like, oh, I'm a biblical character, so I say yes to everything. No, no, no. The story tells us everything we need to know that there is all kinds of obstacles she has to overcome to say yes. And then the person says, there's one last thing I want from you. (laughs) I want you to overcome all of your feelings of helplessness, open yourself up to getting hurt again, and I want you to completely overcome your shame so that you can say yes to something that you're pretty sure you cannot do. Oh, by the way, you're going to give birth to a Nazarite. Nazarite isn't a gender or a race. It's a way of being. Nazarite comes from the Hebrew word nazir, which means to consecrate or set aside. The person says, you will need to consecrate part of your life from now on to make this happen. You will have to give up alcohol and you will have to be on a permanent diet for the rest of your life. No cheating. Consecrate. Um, John Wick fans, I'm really in movies today, right? John Wick fans, come on. Oh yeah, good violence in that, right? Now you all know that in John Wick they have this, uh, so if you don't know the movie, it's all about assassins who kill people. Really good, wholesome show. You should probably bring your kids to it. Um, The fourth one just came out, wonderful. It just relaxes my mind for some reason, I'm not sure why. But they have this whole idea of consecration. They've taken this word Nazir from Nazarite And they actually have tied it into the movie. They have these areas that are consecrated, set aside. Assassins, you can kill anyone anywhere you want. Anyone can kill you anywhere they want. But when they're at this hotel, the Continental Hotel, it's set aside. It's consecrated for something. It's safe. It's where you recharge and heal where you get a drink, hang out with your friends. 
the very people who might be paid to kill you in the next scene of the movie. But on consecrated ground, it is set aside. Now, this idea of Nazarite, this consecration, is a fascinating idea. And I'm going to tie it back to, to, to Samson's mom here in a second. But the question I want to ask is, where have you consecrated part of your life? Set aside time, energy, money, capacity, emotion, whatever. At French Church, we've been using the spiritual journey model. It says, you know, I, them. Oh, thanks, Esmond. Then there's this idea of we. Then there's this idea of the upper part of we where we call it the spiritual realm transcendent. Where have we consecrated energy for I, for yourself? Take a second and just think about it. In all the busyness of your life, in all the things that you have going on, what are you doing for self-care? Where have you consecrated time, energy? I'll say to people, hey, it seems like you need some self-care. And they'll be like, oh, we can't. We're too busy here. Oh, we, my kids have this. Oh, we have no money. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Can you feel the butt? Isn't that the same thing Samson's mom could have said? You want me to give birth to the Savior? Oh, but I'm barren. Oh, but I'm a Danite. Could it be that the way we figure out where our work is is when I ask, have you consecrated energy for a certain area? And an objection pops in. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, you don't understand, Vince. Oh, but, oh, there's this. Oh, uh, that makes me feel really gross. In, in church tradition I grew up with, the idea was to be spiritual meant you take your eye, who you are, and you try and turn down the volume of yourself as small as possible. Think Mother Teresa. You don't want anything. You don't accept anything. You try and live on as very little as humanly possible. Turn down as much of yourself as you can. That is spiritual. And so when I say, have you consecrated time, energy, money, emotions, whatever, to taking care of yourself, chances are, if that's what you grew up with, there's part of you that's going like, yeah, I can't. Vince, that's what? We don't do that. I was asking people the last little while, hey, what, what recharges you? Oh, the stories are wicked. One of the persons by a lake, a friend of mine, <laughs> her and her husband went and left the kids at home for the first time. She's like, I recharged more in those three days than I've done in three months. For me, it's dirt biking. I was out yesterday, beat the crap out of myself, can hardly walk. I feel amazing. What is it that recharges you? Is it time alone? Is it time with people? Is it a place? Is there stuff there? My wife baths. She turns off all the lights, candles, sits in her bath. Have you consecrated time for I? I just want to throw out, I'm going to statistically, mothers, those people who've had children. I think you're genetically, no, I think evolution has kind of made this even harder for you. 
Because in order for our species to survive, you had to turn down the eye and pay attention to your kids. Now, that's why we are all here today, because our mothers did that for us. And thank you. My mother's not around, but thank you, Mom. You did a lot for me. You kept me alive. But I think it's even harder for mothers to honor the eye. Evolution has given you hormones that push you towards everybody else. What if the spiritual work today is to take care of your eye? To overcome evolution, to overcome whatever spiritual objection, to overcome all those things and say, no, no, no. What will recharge me? And the objections that pop up, that shows us that this is our work. What about them? Someone reached out to me the other day. They're moving. Hey, Vince, can you help me with this one thing? I was like, uh, sure. It was like 45 minutes of work and a little bit of gas. I pop open my calendar and I realize it's going to take me five days until I have a slot big enough for that. Five days. At Friend Church, we value us, but we also value taking water, making the world a better place, being something in the world that actually improves the people around us. And I have to spend five days until I can actually do a 45-minute thing for somebody. But I'm busy. But I have all these other things on my calendar. Clearly, my work is in they. How are you doing with they? When you look around, can you see what the people around you need? Or are we all just like right in our stuff? Like, it's all about me. I can't even see them anymore. Are you like me? Your calendar is so booked, so full, so. <laughs> it's a lot of fun stuff. It's all event stuff, though. I have my weekly date night with my wife in there. That's first, everything else. And when I say they, are you going, okay, but Vince, you know, but what about me? I need. I don't have this yet. I'm tired. I've been out of a busy day at work. I can't. Can you see the same thing with Samson's mom? The excuses are easy. But could it be that when we say but, that's where our work is? And so if I'm saying, pay attention to the people around you, and you're going, but, 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 but. Maybe it's time to stop and think deeply. What is the balance? How have I been taking care of people around me? The next layer is we. We is about, it's very easy to be in this place of I against them. Whoever we are and whoever they are, it's an antagonistic relationship. We says, how do we create a win-win? How do we see ourselves as both getting as much as we can in the moment? Many of us won't go there. And as soon as I say it, you're, you're thinking, but Vince, it doesn't work that way. That person's gotten what they want all along. If I give them what they want, they're going to screw me over. Back to Samson's mom, right? It's the objection. Could it be that the we is where our work is then. And finally, there's this idea of transcendence. It's the we portion, but it's where we lose sense of ourselves. 
A friend of mine was doing yoga at a Hindu temple. He'd been doing it online for years, and now they finally opened it back up after COVID. And he said, I walked out of this place with all these people that I've been online with forever. And all of a sudden, I could feel them next to me in this sacred Hindu temple. And he's like, Vince, I don't know what to tell you, but something special happened there. I experienced something more. It's transcendence. Someone was telling me the other day, they go to a lake, they take their waterproof Kindle, paddle out into the middle of the water, lay down on their paddleboard, they can hear the water uh, hitting against the board, and they read in the sun. They're like, Vince, I experienced something so divine there. Have we consecrated time to reach out to the divine? Maybe that's what this is for you. That's what it is for me. Now again, if you're saying, okay, but Vince, I'm a scientist, I can't. Vince, I'm busy, I can't. Vince, Vince. Again, we're back to the Samson's mum. We have every excuse to ignore it, but maybe that's the red flag that says, this is where our work is. Samson's mother said yes to they. She would give up part of her life for the people around her. For me, I have to work at they too, also the we. As I go through the I and the them and the we and the transcendence, which one does something pop into your head and go, okay, but, uh, but, could it be the story of Samson's mother is a story that says, where you find your excuses is where the work needs to be done. If we can't consecrate time, energy, money towards that part of our life, maybe that's where we say, okay, I need to take a break here. I need to go see somebody. I need to think this through. I need to spend some time on this. I need to just put some time into this. So let me ask you, where do you need to put in time? Which is the one that's hardest for you? Which is the one where excuses come up? We never find out how Samson's mother does what she does. Wouldn't it be great if she was like, well, I learned this whole thing about shame and I transcended it all and here's the 10-step way to overcome shame and you'll never have shame again. Wouldn't that have been an awesome story? What we get is her saying, I'm a Danite, but I'll say yes. Where do you need to consecrate time? For me, it's for them. I need to focus on them. I need a schedule that's not as busy as it is. I need to have flexibility. I need to be able to have time. And I need transcendence. I need to stop when I'm in the mountains and sit down and say, I'm just gonna sit here and look at these peaks and just experience this moment. I can tell you all the reasons why I don't wanna do that. I can tell you all the reasons why I can't. And maybe that's the point. That's what shows me the work I need to do.
my prayer for each of us as we look at the story of Samson before we even, we haven't even talked about Samson yet. Learn from Samson's mother. Find the area of your life where when you try and consecrate time, energy, money, resources, emotions, whatever, as soon as you want to pull back and say, but, but, but I have an excuse, remember, she did too and she overcame it. Could it be that that points us to the very work we need to do? This summer, as we're all over the place, I want that to be in our minds. Some of these ones, when I talk about the eye, you're like, Vince, I'm killing it on the eye. Great, celebrate that. Tell your friends. <laughs> I'm really good at taking care of myself. I'm really good at taking care of people around me. I'm really good at the we. But find the area that you're feeling, ooh, but Vince, I can't. And put some energy to it. Consecrate part of your time to it. So that, like Samson's mother, when the moment comes, we can say yes. That's the story of Samson's mother, according to Vince. I hope we can all say yes. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week. We're actually going to talk about Samson.